Recently, I talked with a teenager who expressed dismay about what the pandemic has taught him about human nature. It's been such a difficult time, for young people especially, to discover that so many adults, when faced with worldwide hardship, will act selfishly and unreasonably instead of bravely and nobly. It's a difficult lesson to learn, but it's a helpful one. The youngest among us may yet believe that their generation will be the one to finally make everything right. I certainly thought this way when I was younger. In the early 90s, as the Berlin Wall came down and the Soviet Union crumbled, I felt an irresistible optimism. As a popular song of the time put it, I felt I was watching the world wake up from history. If only. In the past 30 years, new walls of divisive folly have risen. New voices of hate and fear have come to dominate. And in some circles, to wake up from history, or maybe to be woke, is seen as a big problem. Yet I would not want to rob the young of their optimism. They and we really do have power and agency and cause for hope. Even so, at some point we need to arrive at a level of maturity from which we can admit we are only human. And that is never going to change. It may sound fatalistic, but I merely want to banish the kind of optimism that is not rooted in reality. We need not to fool ourselves, but to look with true honesty at the world around us and at one another and work with what God has given us. Instead of pining for a different world or perpetually griping about things, the mature person says, given that this is the way things are, what will I do next? Lent is a season for resetting our understanding of human nature, the inevitability of change, and the futility of trying to control everything. And that means it's a time for humility. Humility doesn't mean making ourselves smaller, but recognizing our actual size. No matter how insignificant we may feel, we are big enough to change the world, but we are never big enough to insist that the world revolve around us. No matter who we are, we are on our way to becoming dust again and joining all the other dust that went before. So Lent is also a clarion call to prayer but recognize what prayer is and what it is not. If we came to believe that prayer is merely begging God to make a specific thing happen for us, that would be a theological tragedy. We do that for sure, but it's not all that prayer is. In contrast, Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote, prayer is the contemplation of the facts of life from the highest point of view. As soon as the man is at one with God, he will not beg. He will then see prayer in all action. 
This is a paradox of human nature that we explore in Lent. We are powerless and powerful. We are capable of self-deception and we are capable of wise discernment. Here's another lens for approaching Lent. In his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul urges Christians to be reconciled to God. This suggests that reconciliation with God is somehow within our power. How do we make that happen? Wrong question. We don't make it happen. It's Christ's work to do, and it's already been done. To be reconciled to God, simply accept the reconciliation that God is already handing to you. For God is not some external disinterested entity, an old man in the sky judging our actions from afar. God is within us, and yet not dependent on us for existence. God is our source and our ongoing fuel. God is the reason anything exists at all, including you and me and all our particulars. To accept this is to accept God's reconciliation, the fact that we can never be separate from God. The action we take is not an action at all, but a letting be. There's yet another important paradox in Lent. It's expressed clearly in today's gospel reading and in the liturgical action that we are about to do together. It has to do with what it means to be seen and noticed. Jesus warns us against performative religion, as of course Isaiah had done before him. Now, if we don't look too closely, we might think we are hearing Jesus say, your faith is personal and private and nobody else's business. When you share it with others, you make yourself a hypocrite. So keep it to yourself at all times. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying at all. I've heard this passage from Matthew all my life, but I had an aha moment this year. Jesus accuses the hypocrites of giving alms in a way that they may be praised by others. Then he says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward. This is the first time I heard clearly that the reward given here is not what God wanted to give them. The reward is exactly what they were seeking, praise from others. Maybe you've always heard it that way, but that struck me fresh this year. They got the praise from others and now they're totally unable to receive the deeper reward that comes from God. The same goes for loud public prayers and the kind of fasting that's intended to draw sympathy and respect. Look how righteous I am. Righteousness has become self-righteousness. If those around me are already giving me everything I want, who needs God? But Jesus' warning doesn't mean our faith should become strictly private. It means that our motivations need purifying. Do we seek praise and respect from others? Do we require these things in order to be joyful? Well, that's a dead end. We've already established how fickle and self-serving we humans can be. So don't judge your Lenten discipline 
by how private you keep it, but by how much it will actually benefit others, whether they notice or not. Our faith is strictly personal and effectively public. In the context of imposing ashes on our foreheads, I've often heard people ask, why do we do this and then go out in public with ashes so everybody can see? Doesn't that just fly in the face of Jesus' warning? Well, it's up to you to decide when you will wash them off. I'm more interested in what's happening here in this room during the liturgy. The ashes are not just for your forehead personally. We don't post mirrors around the nave for you to gaze into. No, the ashes are for all the rest of us in the congregation to see. Ashes on the forehead of an elder in poor health. Ashes on the forehead of someone who is recovering from an illness. Ashes on the forehead of a newborn baby. Ashes on the forehead of the person you love most in this world. Ashes are our unifying factor. Receiving them and showing them to one another equalizes us, makes us humble and vulnerable to one another. This is a good way to begin Lent. When later we find ourselves in a disagreement with someone else in the congregation, we would do well to remember that ash cross we saw drawn on their face tonight. Lent is a time to accept all these realities and paradoxes, to review, accept human nature and the inevitability of change, accept the power God has given you to change the world, Accept God's reconciliation and learn that all your life can be prayer. Purify your intentions by practicing your faith in a way that's not just for you, but for others, whether they ever notice that or not. How we do this will vary greatly, depending on who we are and how well we know ourselves. God plants and waters and gives us growth but we can still reach for the sunshine. How will you do that this Lent? What Lenten discipline will be helpful to someone who is not you? Here are a few possibilities to consider based on what kind of person you tend to be. If you are a perfectionist, stop doing one good thing and let it be. If you are a helper, Ask for help from someone else. If you are an achiever, slow down and spend more time in silence. That's mine right there. If you are a romantic, express gratitude to the people who give you joy. If you are an intellectual, develop a new friendship. If you are a worrier, Choose one act of loyal companionship and do it well. If you are an adventurer, focus on just one thing. If you are a fighter, get vulnerable with someone. If you are a peacemaker, do one thing every day that scares you. 
Honestly, the advice for the peacemaker is probably good advice for all of us. Lent is not about fixing our broken selves because God doesn't see us as broken. Lent is for opening ourselves up to discomfort because sometimes we need to be in an uncomfortable space for God to teach us something new. Amen.